you guys feel blessed this morning? If you feel blessed, raise your hand. You feel blessed? But after that worship, you should definitely feel blessed. Amen. Was that incredible or what? Can we just praise the Lord for our worship team this morning? Wow. That was great. Let me ask you another question. Um, how many of you, and, and be honest with this, and, and don't be afraid to raise your hand on this, how many of you would like to be more blessed? You're blessed, but how many of you would like to be more blessed? Raise your hand up nice and high. Well, listen to what the scriptures say. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it says, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. This is from Jesus. It is more blessed, everybody say more blessed, is more blessed to give than to receive. If you want to be more blessed, one of the ways to do that is it's more blessed to give than to receive. You know, I learned this every year at Christmas. Christmas was just a couple of months ago, and uh, I'm horrible at Christmas in this way. I cannot wait for Shelly to open the gifts that I get her. I mean, it drives me crazy. I've gotten to the point where I pretty much don't buy her Christmas gifts until like a day or two before Christmas because I'm constantly bugging her. You know, I'll, I'll buy her a gift and I'll wrap it. I'll put them under the tree. Now, she, she doesn't want to know what they are. She likes surprises. But I, I just can't stand it. I'm so excited about the stuff I picked out. And so I'll put them under there and I'll walk away and I'll be watching her. And she like sometimes just won't even pay attention. I'll be like, hey, did you notice I put some gifts under there for you? And she's like, yeah, I saw you came down with something. I'm like... Did you go pick them up? Did you shake them, you know? Do you want a hint? And she's like, no, leave me alone. I don't want to know. Because I'm so excited to give those gifts to her because it's more blessed to give than to receive. Today we start a two-week little mini-series called The Blessed Life. Learning how it's more blessed to give than receive. And so uh, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Haggai. I'll give you a head start, and we'll be there in a few minutes. Um, it is in your Bible. There is a book called Haggai. It's about one page long. Uh, if you're using the Bible, you may have picked up at the door. It's on page 383, so that'll help some of you guys. Um, it's on page 1089 in my Bible. That may not help you at all, but it'll get you in the ballpark. But as we start to talk today and next week about being more blessed to give than receive, when we start talking about giving and money, people get funny. They get a little nervous. And, and I'll be honest with you, I want to share my heart this morning. So do I. Uh, it's one of the most difficult subjects to talk about as a pastor. Um, when we first started Orchard Church about eight years ago, I went four years and I never did an entire message on giving and tithing because I didn't want to be that church. I didn't want to be that pastor, you know, that always talks about money and giving. So I avoided it. Um, I maybe mentioned it here and there just briefly in a message like, you know, we should be praying, we should be serving, we should be witnessing, we should be giving, and then I just move on. And, and, and the reason I didn't do that, one reason I didn't want people to think all we do is talk about money, the other reason was I made a lot of assumptions. I assumed that everybody just already knew what the Bible said about tithing and money and giving. And you know what assuming does? It makes a, well, okay, we'll just leave it at that. And I assumed, and then I had a lot of people start asking questions, and I realized there are a lot of people that don't know what the Bible says about the blessed life, and that it's more blessed to give than receive. And to be quite honest with you guys, if I could really just share my heart, God started convicting me as your pastor that I was robbing you guys of a blessing. I was robbing you of the blessed life. I, you know, we, we like to... Uh, make sure people know that Orchard Church is about the Bible. We teach the Bible verse by verse. And yet I was avoiding the many, many scriptures in the Bible about the blessed life of giving. And I didn't want to rob you guys of a blessing any longer. And so I did the first message on giving about four or five years ago. And I want you to understand my heart on this as I do this message this week and next week. And now that you guys know, okay, the cat's out of the bag, you know that this is about giving the next couple of weeks, don't chicken out and not come next week, okay? 
because you want to be more blessed. You raise your hand and you want to understand what the blessed life is. But here's my heart on this. Here's God's heart on this. It's not about what we want from you. It's about what God wants for you. It's not about what we want from you. It's about what we want for you. There are over 2,300 scriptures about money and possessions and giving in the Bible. Jesus talked more about money and possessions than heaven and hell put together. And we want to be like Jesus. And we want to talk about some of the things that were important to him. And the truth is, talking about money and giving makes us nervous. And one of the reasons it makes us nervous, there's a good reason for this, is because a lot of pastors and churches, quite honestly, and people on TV have abused this subject. They've abused it. And so we get nervous when somebody starts talking about it, like, oh boy, here we go. Let, let me just quickly set the context this morning. Let me give you three wrong ways, I believe, to talk about money and giving. Three angles that we do not want to come from. The first one would be the guilt angle. You know, in other words, you know, I could get up here and say, give or else. You know, if you don't give and you're not faithful in tithes and offerings, God's going to punish you and bad things are going to happen to you and God's not going to love you as much. And that makes you feel discouraged, defeated, demoralized, and guilty. And that is not our goal at all. And that's, I don't think, what God wants. I've heard pastors uh, make people feel bad that we're Christians and we live in America and we've been blessed so much. You know, if you've got a nice car, TV, indoor plumbing, and air conditioning, oh, shame on you. You know, I mean, we, we, are, we do live in America. And we are blessed. We're one of the most blessed nations on this earth. And we shouldn't feel guilty about that. The result is we shouldn't feel guilt. We should feel gratitude. Amen? We should feel gratitude. And I believe the key is this. We have been blessed to be a blessing to others and to give back. So if you have a nice home, don't feel guilty about that. You, use your home. I say your, your home can be a, a treasure of yours. Or it can be a tool, a tool God can use to be hospitable. We have a lot of people that open their homes. We have 40 small groups in our church. People open their nice homes so that people could talk about the Lord and fellowship and care for one another. So if you've got a nice home, don't feel guilty. Open it up. Let God use that for his glory. If you've got uh, season tickets to the Broncos next year, don't feel bad about that. Be a blessing. Take your pastor sometime to a game next year. <laughs> Another way that we don't want to talk about giving, this is not a, we don't want to come from a guilt angle, we don't want to come from a greed angle, and maybe I just did that, but personal gain. You know, t you, we think of TV evangelists, you know, uh, they, they have made this subject one that so many pastors and churches are afraid to talk about because they get up there, you know, if you give a dollar, then God's going to give you a thousand back, you know, if you give to God, uh, God's going to make sure your kids all have A's, you're going to always drive a Mercedes, you're going to be president of your company, your waistline is going to shrink, and God's going to take the calories out of your cheesecake, praise Jesus, you know, your car's never going to break down, and that's just not true. And, and that can be from a, a, an angle that is greedy. You see, we don't give to get. We give to glorify, obey, and honor God and to trust Him. It's, a, it's an act of faith. And I believe God absolutely wants to bless us. Do you believe that? Say yes. He wants to bless His children. But it's, and it's not always financially. Sometimes it's financially. Sometimes it's spiritually. It's in, in many different ways. We'll talk about that. So when we talk about money and giving, we don't want to come from a guilt angle. We don't want to come from a greed angle. And we also don't want to come from a need angle. A need angle. And a lot of churches, this is, when they talk about this subject, people go, oh, we must be short on the budget. You know, church has bills to pay, salaries to pay, rent to pay. And a lot of churches, quite honestly, live like most Americans, paycheck to paycheck, broke. A lot of churches live from Sunday to Sunday, and if they miss one offering, they don't know how they're going to pay their bills. I got some great news for you, Orchard Church. We don't need your money. God doesn't need your money. He owns it all. 
We, this is some great news. In eight years of the existence of Orchard Church, we have never missed budget one single week, one single month, one single year. As a matter of fact, for those of you that came to our State of the Church address, in eight years, we have operated 30 to 35% under budget for eight years in a row here at Orchard Church. So this is not a need-based message. And, and the reason, one of the reasons we've been able to do that is because of the faithfulness of the giving of so many of you, honoring the Lord in your tithes and offerings. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you. It is a pleasure and an honor to be your pastor, and it's very humbling. And so to many of you who are already doing these things, I know God is blessing you. You're experiencing the blessed life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I learned a long time ago, this is not my church. This is really not your church. This is God's church. This is Jesus' church. And Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's the CEO of this church and this organization, and he always provides for our needs. Amen? So this isn't a guilt message. This isn't a greed message. This isn't a need-based message. This is a God's word-based message on the biblical principles of generosity and blessings and living the blessed life. And let me just say this, if you're a guest for the first time today, I am really sorry. <laughs> you know, that's your biggest fear, isn't it? I'm gonna invite somebody, and the one Sunday a year I invite someone, it's a first time guest. You can ask the people, we only talk, do this about once a year, and, and that's, that's it. So can we all just do this? Can we all just take a big deep breath in, and let it out, and just relax? It's gonna be okay. Just, just turn to the person next to you and say, it's gonna be okay. It's going to be okay. This is about the blessed life. Here's what I want you to know, guys, these next two weeks. The secret to a blessed life is a heart of generosity. It's more blessed to give than receive. That's what Jesus said. So the question is, then why aren't more people more generous if it's more blessed to give than receive? And why aren't more people giving? And why aren't they more blessed? And I think that one of the problems is too many people have the wrong mindset when it comes to money and giving. And I want to share for a few minutes two biblical mindsets regards to money and giving in the scriptures. The first one is the bag mindset, if you're taking notes this morning. The bag mindset. And the bag mindset says, there's never enough in my bag. The bag mindset. The children of Israel had bag mindset. As we jump into Haggai chapter uh, 1 here, verse 3, let me give you the context. God's house, the temple, had been destroyed. And God wanted his house to be rebuilt, and he wanted ministry to, to take place again and, and people to be ministered to. But God's people had forgotten about God, and they were only focused on their house and their stuff and their income and what they had in their bag, and they were completely leaving God out of the picture. So God uh, picks a man named Haggai as a prophet and sends him as a messenger to Israel about their money and their giving and their finances in relation to God's house. And notice what he says in Haggai chapter 1, verse 3. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? In other words, you guys got these nice cribs, these nice places. You're fixing them all up, doing all these home improvement projects, and you've completely neglected God's work. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways and what you're doing and not doing. You have sown much, but you bring in how much? Little. You're working really hard to, to get all your stuff, but you bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one's really warm. Now watch this. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put them into a what, church? 
a bag with holes. You're trying to hold on to all your stuff. You're trying to work hard and do all this, but you end up with little. There's never enough in your bag. It's like a bag that has holes in it because they completely left God out of the picture. In verse 7, it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Have you ever felt like these people, like Israel? You have. We all have. That you, there's never enough in your bag. There's never enough in your bank account. That your income is never enough. There's too much month left at the end of the money. You, you feel like you're about to get ahead and then, boom, the car breaks down. The water heater goes out. Kids need braces. Taxes are due. There just seems to never be enough in your bag. See, here's the problem with the bag mindset. The bag represents what you and I try to do on our own without God. And we leave God out of the picture. It's about our job, our income, our budget. And we put our faith in what's in our bag, but it's like a bag with holes. And like Israel, God is left out and there's never enough when you have the bag mindset and you say well I, I would give back to God I would put him first but my bag has holes in it I mean the economy's difficult my kids are getting ready to go to college um, I've got to plan for retirement uh, my job is uncertain we got a vacation coming up we're in debt it's not in the budget what are you saying there's not enough in my bag to think about God and putting him first and the problem is, at times, we get too consumed with the bag, our bag, instead of honoring the Lord with our giving. And the bag mindset will keep us from honoring the Lord, and we will miss out on the blessed life, thinking, there's just never enough in my bag. Now, that's the bad news, the bag mindset. But there is a remedy to the bag mindset, and it's called the basket mindset, the basket mindset. The bag mindset says there's never enough. The basket mindset says God always provides enough. God provides enough. Do you see the difference? Say yes. Let me give you an example of this. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy. A little easier to find than Haggai. It's on page 85 for some of you using the provided Bibles. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 1. You want to talk about living the blessed life? Just watch how many times God uses the word blessed in these six short verses in Deuteronomy 28. This is the basket mindset where God provides enough, the blessed life, rather than the bag mindset. We try to do it on our own without God, and there's never enough. Deuteronomy 28, 1. Now it shall come to pass, what's the next word? If. If is a very important word, isn't it? It shall come to pass, God says, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today. And one of the commandments that God had commanded Israel over and over was that they put God first in their tithes and offerings. And he said, if you obey my voice, the Lord, and observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Now watch this. And all these, say it, church, Blessings shall come up on you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. You like to live in the city? Blessed. Blessed shall you be in the country. You like the country? You'll be blessed in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your, what's the next word? Not bag, your basket. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. 
I don't know about you guys, but I want to live that kind of life. I want to experience those kind of blessings, the blessed life of God. But it all starts if you obey God, if you trust God, if you put your faith in Him first. The basket mindset believes that if we honor God with our tithes and offerings, that He will bless us. And He'll provide more than enough in our basket to meet our needs, that we can trust Him. Jesus taught about the basket mindset. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, he said this, Give and you will, what? Receive. You'll be blessed. Your gift will return to you in part? No. In what? In full. And not just in full, but now Jesus uses these harvesting metaphors. He says, God's going to bless you. He's going to give back to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount that you get back. And Jesus is using this harvesting metaphor. And the people of his day would have fully understood this because uh, they would, the owner, the master of the land would hire day laborers. And they didn't have John Deere tractors back then. They had baskets. And so when it was time to harvest the blessings of the crops, they would take their baskets and they would walk into the field and they would pick the grain and they would put it into their basket and then they would go dump it into a pile and they would do this all day long and they would work for the master and the owner of the land. Now, the day laborers were known that they would not usually fill their baskets all the way full. They would fill them about two-thirds full. You know why? Because they had to work hard all day and they had to carry the baskets and they got heavy. Now, at the end of the day, a very generous, merciful owner and master of the land would allow the poor people of the city to take one basket and go into the field and pick up anything that was left over. How do you think they filled their baskets? Do you think they filled them half full and said, eh, that's good? No. They went in and they picked the grain and they put it in there and it would get pretty full. And then you know what they do? Press it down, shake it down, push it down, go get a little bit more. Press it down, shake it down. And then when they would go out of there, I mean, that thing was full. It was overflowing with blessings from the owner and master. You ladies know how to do this. You go to Old Navy, 30% off anything you can put in this bag. You cram it down. And they would be blessed with a basket full of harvest. That's the, that's the language. That's what Jesus is talking about in Luke. He says, when you give, that's how I'm going to give back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's how I want to bless you because we have a very gracious, merciful, loving owner and master. And he wants to bless us if we will trust him with our giving and give back to him. And not, not only does he want to bless us financially, let me make that very clear. So many messages about giving is you give and you're going to get back money. I, I, I have found in my life some of the greatest blessings are not money. They're spiritual blessings. They're relational blessings. They're physical blessings. They're emotional blessings. They're, they're blessings, that, the, the things that money can't buy. Amen? And I believe he puts those kind of things in our basket as well. But it all is contingent on Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 2. All these blessings shall come up on you if. If you obey God. If you trust God. People say, well, you know, if God would just fill my basket up a little bit more and bless me, then I would give from my basket. Doesn't work that way, does it? God doesn't say, okay, I'm going to give you all these blessings, then you give to me. He says, no, if you obey me and trust me first, then all these blessings will follow. 
There's an incredible example of the bag mindset that says there's never enough and the basket mindset that God will always provide enough in a very familiar story in the scriptures. We're not going to take time to turn there. I'd encourage you to read it later. It's in most of the gospels. One of them that I would refer to is in John chapter 6. And if you've been in church any time, you've heard this story. You remember the story of Jesus and the feeding of the 5,000? If you remember that story, say yes. What happened in that story? Jesus is preaching one day to a multitude of people. We know the Bible says there were 5,000 men there, which means there were probably 5,000 ladies and probably 20,000, 30,000 kids running around. And he's preaching a message one day to all these people, and he's getting a little long-winded in his message. It's going a little long. People have been there a while. So when Pastor Doug gets a little long-winded in his message, I'm just trying to be like Jesus, y'all, okay? Just trying to follow Jesus' example. And so finally, it's getting late, and, and, and everybody's hungry, and stomachs are growling, and, and the disciples come to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, you know, hey, hey, it's a really good message, but um, can we turn this into like a four-part series? It's getting a little bit long, and people are a little hungry, and so can we just send all these thousands of people back home and into the city because they need some food? Send them back to eat, and then they'll come back and we'll pick it up, you know, from there. And Jesus says, nope. He says, you feed them. What? There's thousands of people out here. You know what they were saying? The disciples had bag mindset. There's not enough food here. There's never going to be enough food to feed all these thousands of people. There's not going to be enough, Jesus. And then one little boy with his basket of lunch, his happy meal, we'll call it, Five loaves and two fish was probably just a little basket. He brought it to Jesus. He said, Jesus, I don't have very much, but I'm just going to give you what little I do have, and I believe you, you will provide enough for me and everybody else. He had basket mindset, didn't he? And he gave his lunch, and, 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 and here's what the Scripture says. Jesus took his lunch, and he blessed it. He blessed it. He blessed it. And then he gave it to the disciples and it fed thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And it didn't just feed thousands of people. They got done feeding everybody and they had seconds and thirds and everybody was full. And you know what the scripture says? There were 12 baskets full left over. That's basket mindset when one little boy trusted Jesus and gave to him. And God provided more than enough. The basket mindset says, God, here is my tithe. Here is my offering. You bless it. I'll live on the other 90%, and it'll also be blessed. You see, I believe it's a whole lot easier to live on 90% blessed by God than trying to live on 100% that is not blessed by God. That's like having a bag with holes in it. Israel was trying to live on 100% and leaving God out, and there was never enough in their bag. Basket mindset says, here God, I'm giving my tithes, my offerings to you, I'm trusting you, and I believe there will be more than enough. I believe that our tithes and offerings back to the Lord are one of the most tangible ways today to show our faith, to test our faith, to grow our faith. You want to see God do something tangible? Put him first in your giving. That's the heart of what the blessed life is about. Bag mindset versus basket mindset. Next week, we're going to go into a little more of the details. I really hope you'll be here. I'm just going to show you what the scriptures has to say. But I want to answer some common questions right now, just practically. 
These are the most com- three most common questions we get asked all the time about tithing and giving. And we'll go into more detail on, on these next week. But let me help you out with these. Are you ready for three? Let me give you three. First one is this. Does the Bible teach a specific amount to start giving to God? Is there a specific amount? Well, I believe the logical place to start is where God started. And you see it begin in the Old Testament and all the way through into the New Testament. God sets the biblical benchmark as the tithe. Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30 says this. And all the, what's the next word, church? Tithe. Everybody say tithe. All the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree or however you get your income, is whose? If you, if you just grasp that truth right there, it'll change the way you look at giving and tithing. The first tenth doesn't even belong to us. It belongs to the Lord. It's the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. What is tithe? What does the word tithe mean? It comes from the Hebrew word mahaser. It comes from the Greek word apakadaku. It means this, a tenth part or 10%. It doesn't mean 20%. It doesn't mean 5%. You see, we have retranslated the Bible. And we translate, and all the giving of the Lord, all the tipping of the Lord. It doesn't say, it says all the tithe, and tithe means tenth. Randy Alcorn wrote an awesome little book. It's an easy read. You can probably read it in like 45 minutes to an hour. It's called The Treasure Principle. And in this book, he said this, throughout the Bible and the history of New Testament Christianity, the tithe has been recognized as the biblical benchmark to begin giving to God, the first tenth. Every example of New Testament giving goes far beyond the tithe, but never falls short of it. Most biblical scholars agree that tithe means tenth, 10% of our income. It's what it means. Uh, But it's interesting that every study I've ever seen on giving in America today, the most blessed people on the face of this earth the average Christian in America today only gives 2 to 3% of their income back to the Lord every year. Only 2 to 3%. We have a lot of tippers in Christianity, but not a lot of tithers, what God asks. And God provides the beginning place of giving as 10% of one's income. Second uh, practical common question, where should the tithe be given? This is debated by some, you know, does it, does it always go to the church? Can it go to a friend in need, a missionary, feed a kid through World Vision, whatever? Well, let, let's see what the Bible says. Malachi 3.10, and we'll look at this in more detail next week. It says, bring all the tithes, which is the, how, how much percent? 10%. Bring all the 10% tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Whose house? God's house. In the Old Testament, the storehouse was the temple. This was the place of worship where people would come to worship. This was the place of ministry where the ministers and the Levites were at. That's how they supported the work of God. Most scholars will agree today that the New Testament church is the, is the equivalent of the Old Testament storehouse because we don't all go to one temple today. We have local New Testament churches, and the church is today the representation of that storehouse. I mean, that only makes sense because Jesus came and he died for the church. He empowered and gave the Great Commission to the church. He is coming back for the church. So it only makes sense that God would say there has to be resources for the church to reach people for Christ and make disciples because I believe the church today is the hope of the world. It's our responsibility to bring people to Jesus. So the storehouse is the tenth, which is the church. Third question is this, should I tithe on my net or my gross income? Get that question a lot. I think we should answer that question with a question. Do you want a net blessing or a gross blessing? That's a very practical way to answer that. But there's also 
a scripture that tells us, I think, clearly what we're supposed to give on. And there's many of them. Let me just give you one today. Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with your possessions, your income, with the, what's the next word? First fruits of all your crops. The first fruits. The first fruits. Does that sound like net or gross? Y'all are afraid to say. There's one brave soul. That's gross. Everybody's like, oh, I don't want to say. That's gross. First fruits is giving off of what God blesses you with first. And it's a way to put him first. We'll show you next week. You know what this is all really about? It's making God a priority in your life. It's a tangible way to say God is first and I, I trust him. You know, if Uncle Sam is going to take off the first fruits, I think God deserves the first fruits. Amen? So, but what will keep us from giving 10% of our gross income to our local church and carry out God's work? I'll tell you what will keep us from doing it. The bag mindset that says, there's never enough in my bag. And what will help us do it is the basket mindset that says, God will provide enough. I hope you'll allow God to stretch your faith in these next couple of weeks and, and months as you put this into practice. That God will stretch your faith from bag mindset to basket mindset. For some of you, I know that means starting to tithe. You know, some of you are already tithing. Thank you. God bless you for that. I know God's blessing you for that. Some of you, it's time. You've heard this. You know this. It's time to take that step of faith. I, I had three or four people after the first service. They said, pray for me, Pastor Doug. I know this is what I'm supposed to do. I know this is what God's word says. It's just so scary. Faith is always scary, isn't it? Taking a step of faith is always scary, but that's when God does his best work. And then we can give him the credit and we can see what God will do. So some of you, it's, it's starting to tie. And let me tell you this as a church, this is something exciting. I, I want to make sure you all know this. Uh, when I did this first message on giving about five years ago, and I was challenging people about putting God first in their tithe, God laid on my heart to tithe as a church off of the tithe. Shelly and I have always been tithers. We've been married 21 years. We've never not tithed. As a matter of fact, we've given well over 10% back to the Lord and missions and feeding centers. And, and, and we like to try to increase that every year as God has blessed us. And, but I felt God said we need to tithe as a church. So we made a decision, a, a monumental decision as a church that I felt God laid on my heart. We started about five years ago tithing off the tithe. So every time you guys tithe and just give to the general fund, 10% of that goes into our mission fund. Last year, we were able to tithe $100,000 to missions off of your tithe. $100,000. To plant other churches, to support missionaries, to do feeding centers. And, and some of you give over and above, and that would be considered an offering. And, and listen, offerings are over and above the tithe. If you want to give to help a friend or, or feeding centers or United Way or what, whatever, Red Cross, that's great. That's called an offering. We'll get into that next week. That's over and above your tithe. Some of you, you need to, God's laying on your heart to start tithing. Some of you, maybe God wants you to be a progressive giver where you give a, a percent more every year. That's one of the things Shelly and I've tried to do, give a little more each year over and above because Timber said that's just the, that's the very least that God asks us to do. I like some Christians are trying to be twithers. You know what a twither is? It's a twice tither, giving 20% of their income back to the Lord. I know of one man who was a reverse tither he lived on 10% and gave away 90% to God and other people. You know this man. His name was J.C. Penney. J.C. Penney. So however God is stretching your faith, I want you to listen to this verse. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my house. And if you do, God says, this is God speaking. This is his words, not mine. If you put me first in your tithes, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. 
And I will pour out a, what church? A blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test, God says. This is the only place in Scripture where God says to try him and test him. We started giving people in our church a a tangible way to do this uh, five years ago when we talk about tithing. We call it the 90-day tithe challenge. And we've had many people in our church take this, and we've seen God do amazing things. And the 90-day tithe challenge says, I'm going to put God first. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to give 10% of my gross income to my local church for the next 90 days. And I'm going to take God at his word. I'm going to try him, and I'm going to test him and see if he will do what he says he's going to do. Pour out a blessing so much I don't even know what to do with it. It doesn't always mean money. We're so confident in this and wanting to help you in your faith with this. If you commit to the 90-day tithe challenge today, if at any point in those 90 days, during those 90 days, or at the end of 90 days, if you don't believe that God has been faithful to his word, you let us know, and I mean this with all my heart, and we'll give every dime back to you. We'll give it all back, no questions asked. That's how confident we are in what God says in his word in this area when we test him and try him. So if you're ready to take on this challenge, here's what I want to ask you to do. Inside of your newsletter, there's always a connection card. On that connection card, if, if you're going to take the 90-day tithe challenge with us, write, give us your email address. We don't even need your name. Just your email address. And on the box that says other and there's a blank, just write 90-day tithe challenge or 90-day tithe. We'll know what you mean. The reason you say, oh, I know why you want our email address. You're going to be emailing us going, where's the tithe you promised? No, no, no. This is between you and the Lord. Here's the only reason we want your email address. I'm going to send you an email encouraging you, letting you know I'm praying for you by name, all of you who are doing the 90-day tithe challenge. And here's why I want your email address, because I want you to email me and let me know when God is true to his word and he blesses you. And every time we've done this, the stories start pouring in. It's amazing as we watch what God does. And then when I get those stories, I don't just keep them to myself. You know what I do? I send them out to everybody who's on the 90-day tithe challenge. And it encourages all of us. And we get to celebrate as we watch God be true to his word. That if we try him and test him, he'll pour us out a blessing, the blessed life. So much we don't even know what to do with it. And to encourage you with this, I want you to hear a testimony from a family in our church that took the 90-day tithe challenge a couple years ago and how God blessed them through it. Hi, we're Scott and Laura Nordby. And a couple of years ago, Doug rolled out the 90-day tithe challenge. And it was something that I knew that I definitely wanted to do. And Scott was not very sure of it at the time. We were uh, pretty good tippers at that point. Um, Definitely not faithful tithers. And we had a lot of personal conversation about it. And we decided to take on the challenge. We talk about, uh, or we talk about, or we hear about tithing, and and uh, in a lot of ways, you could, I could manipulate, or you know, do we really tithe off what we, our company makes? Do we tithe off what we make? Do we tithe off what we bring home? And if we're helping family, is that a tithe? If or we're doing other offerings, can we consider that as a tithe? And so we we've been through, you know, and at one point we just finally. Um, by faith, we just jumped in, and and everything that we make, we tithe um, first, and we give it to God first. 
And I will say that there were, at the time that this 90-day challenge rolled out for Scott and I, um, we were at a point with our business of contemplating just shutting the doors. Uh, it was very tough. It was a very tough marketplace. We were in a very tough place financially. And the idea of tithing and tithing on a regular basis created a lot of stress for both of us. And um, definitely allowed us many opportunities to find an excuse as to why we were not going to tithe or why we shouldn't tithe that week. But being that we were in the challenge, we held each other accountable to it. And um, it was amazing what has come out of it. Our business now is in a better place than it has ever been, even beyond our imagination, I would have to say. Um, every month, the blessings just continue to come in. The 90 day challenge affected our faith is monumental. You know, it's one of those things that, you know, different times during my life, of course, I always asked for signs that what I was doing was correct. And sometimes those prayers would be answered and sometimes those prayers wouldn't be answered. However, through this challenge, I think we were both so focused on um, making it through from day to day that we weren't really focused on what the big picture was going to be and what we didn't realize until much later is how as every day passed and as every week passed that we were faithfully tithing how that increased our relationship with christ and how it made our relationship so much better and our relationship with our kids so incredibly better to where Faith just resides with us now. At this point, anybody sitting on the fence, if I was going to talk to them, or if I could sit down and, and uh, spend time with them, I would, you know, in the bottom of my soul, I would just say, trust God on this, and uh, tithe 10% uh, and don't look back, and blessings will, the blessings will come rolling in the door um, over and over and over, um, and God will answer the prayers you just have to trust. My prayer for all of you, corporately and individually, is that God would stretch your faith from bag mindset to basket mindset. And it's not about what we want from you, it's what we want for you. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me this morning as we think about this message for just a moment? And you, as believers, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything this morning. I'm just going to ask you to talk to the Lord and say, God, would you stretch my faith? Um, for some of you, you, need, you know you need to start tithing. For some of you, you know you need to start tithing on the, the gross, the first fruits. Uh, some of you, you've been faithfully tithing, and maybe God's saying, I want to increase your faith a little more, uh, whether it's to give to feeding centers or missions or help a friend or, or whatever it is over and above the tithe. You know, Paul said that we should excel in the grace of giving as a believer just as we excel in other areas in our Christian life. So just take a moment and talk to the Lord and ask Him to lead you and guide you and if you're taking the 90-day tithe challenge, give us your email, check that box, drop in the offering bucket in just a moment, we'll receive our gifts. 
so we can uh, put you on the list, be praying for you, and be hearing your stories and sharing stories with you. If you're here today and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I want you to hear this loud and clear. God is the most generous, generous giver ever. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God, God is not interested in your money today, neither are we. He's interested in your heart. He's interested in your life and I want to give you an opportunity to put your faith and trust in, in Jesus today because he gave his son to forgive you and that you might have eternal life. And I, I want to just lead you in a simple prayer of faith that you can pray from your heart to God's right where you sit right now. And if you really mean this prayer and you put faith behind it, you can invite him into your life as Lord and Savior. And it simply goes like this. Jesus, I believe you died for me to forgive my sins that I might have eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for me. By faith, I accept you into my life today as Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. Lord, we uh, thank you today that you sent your son to die for us, Lord. If you had blessed us in no other way but that, that's the greatest blessing we could ever receive, eternal life. But, Lord, you have blessed us beyond that. You, you, there, in so many ways, not just financially, but emotionally and spiritually, physically. Bless us with this church and Lord, all these wonderful people that, that want to worship you and love you and serve you. And, and Lord, we want to experience the blessed life, a more blessed life. Help us to really understand what it means that it is more blessed to give than receive. Help us to take those steps of faith and of obedience and trust, believing that you will provide in our basket more than enough. Help us to, to do away with bag mindset and help us to be focused on basket mindset as we put you first and we honor you through our giving. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate the blessings of Jesus this morning right now?